What's up? Whoa. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey. We back. Welcome to Through Thick and Thin, <laughs> the Ultimate Girlfriends podcast. Yes. Yes, indeed. We bet, y'all. We bet, y'all. It's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you without a weekly podcast to step to step two. Yeah, step two, step two, step two. Um, that song reminds me of this one episode of the Mindy Project that where Danny learned the choreography to. Um, oh yeah, uh, did you you saw that? Okay, I think so. It was it wasn't. It was like the first or second season. Yeah, it was real early. Yeah, when it was still good. Yeah. Rest in peace, Mindy Project. You were a great show for the last five, six years. Yeah. I didn't realize it had been that long. Right. It was dope. Since the show was on. Yeah. Um, I'm Ashley. I am Edwin. And the Falcons are no longer in the playoff picture. They are in the hunt. True. But the Jaguars. But they're number seven. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> but the Jaguars. Keep going, babe. Are in the wild card hunt right now. Hey, they were last week too. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, but you know, we'll see how the Seahawks and the Viking, uh, the, the Seahawks and the uh, Eagles go. Yep. We're, that we're could help game. put us back. True. That could help tag us back in because we beat the Seahawks. Sure did. So if they lose then that switches us back inside, right? Yeah. Right? Tiebreaker. Okay. Yeah, just making sure that, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, I know sports. <laughs> Shout out to <laughs> I watch you. games. Yeah, the Saints are winning right now against the Panthers. But that's not what you came to listen to this podcast about. Um, we are your girlfriend's... Um, podcast people co-host um i am your girlfriend and he is your boyfriend but not your boyfriend so don't get it twisted oh too too spicy Uh, what'd you say that was such an old man (laughs) 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 what (laughs) two two salt shakes and a pepper too spicy for the pepper all right now shout out to american dad okay because i'm like what type of and also shout out to Rod from the Black Eye Who Tips who uses that phrase also. Don't don't take no wooden nickels. Okay. Your dad said that last week, and that's hilarious because every time I talk to my grandpa on my mom's side, well, obviously, I forgot. My bad. Every time I talk to my grandpa, he always tells me that before we hang up. Don't take no wooden nickels. Yeah, and one time he said I did take a wooden nickel, but <laughs> I had to learn. <laughs> that was back in that was back in like college. Okay. Long story, not really, but we're just not going there today. But yeah, well, God being willing and the creek don't rise, we can uh, get through this episode. All right, yeah, let's keep rolling. <laughs> Long time ago, an episode called Bad Timing came out, and that was in February 12th of 2001. Uh, Bad Timing is the episode we're talking about today, and TV Guide summarized it as saying, Joan is alone on Valentine's Day when Sean goes on a business trip, leaving her open to Davis's impulsive charms. Meanwhile, Lynn volunteers to man the phones of a suicide hotline. Um, This episode was directed by Tony Singletary, who has done a lot, um, worked on a lot of shows, such as The Jeffersons, The Waynes Brothers, uh, Moesha, Living Single, In the House, Cosby Show, spinoff of All in the Family called Archie Bunker's Place, a whole bunch of other shows. I'm not going to list them all. Uh, the writers on this show are Kim Collier, Bernadette Luckett, and Mara Brockett-Hill, as usual. And our regular cast members are um, full, uh, front and center on this episode. But we also see two characters that we haven't seen, in, uh, haven't seen at all. Um, Fred, who is the guy that Lynn goes on a date with, and Ava, 
who is Davis's fiance. Um, Fred is played by Ahmed Ahmed, who has been um, has done a few things here and there, um, such as he was on an episode of Weeds. And uh, Ava is played by Cara Brock, who is Marbrocky Kill's sister. She has been on a variety of shows as well, such as The Parkers, Moesha, and um, other things that I'm just not going to recall right now. Also, we see, of course, Davis on this episode. We see Darnell, played by Flex. We see Greg, played by Chuma Galt. We play, and we also see Yvonne, play, play, played by Cece Michaela. So uh, let's get into the nitty gritty of this episode. Let's Sounds good? All right. That's great. Bam. With our good friend William, shout out to Reggie Hayes, at home, working late and diligently like the God-fearing man he is. And while he's in the midst of burning the midnight oil, who bursts in like SWAT but Yvonne? Which is ironic because Yvonne is a police officer. See what I did there? You see it. She busts in and she gives William a hard time because he didn't lock his door, which is a rookie move, I will admit. But in his defense, he did say that she told him also to leave his door unlocked because she was trying to come through and see what's good. So basically, she was trying to do the early 2000s versions of sliding in his DMs, and by DM, that'd be an apartment, and see what's good, see what they can get going. A a booty call, as it were. And she comes by, and he says, you know, he's real busy at work, got a pressing deadline, trying to get this thing done, you know, just got a haircut, he has a headache, and all the common excuses men have to use, you know, to kind of keep women off of them. And she's not really having it. She does a literal song and dance to try to get him in the mood. And it turns out it's very effective. And they get to it in the biblical sense. So that was that scene to open up the episode. Now, question for you. Oh, okay. Because I was waiting. (laughs) Since we've done this two times before. What would you do if the person you're in a relationship with is either facing a pressing deadline or if you're facing a pressing deadline and they're very much so in the mood and they don't seem to be respecting that deadline, how would you navigate out of those situations? So you mean you? Anyway. (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, Trying to maintain some intrigue. Okay. If it's a hypothetical person that's not you. Anyway, um I if I'm working on a pressing deadline, I just, you know, like I don't know, I think I'd just be really, really frustrated if, you know, you're acting like a fourteen year old <laughs> that just discovered his penis and like is just so rare like roaring to go raring to roaring to go and i'm trying to get work done um but on the same side like i don't see myself being that person um to just like oh my gosh like <laughs> like come on i got but you know like but you're Wait. working on <laughs> i don't see what, myself what acting that? like a, i don't i'm not gonna throw a temper <laughs> tantrum when you're trying to get work done and I'm just trying to get mine. Like, okay, sound, you know. sound like you you sound like you on that stuff. <laughs> no, I was like trying to throw a temper tantrum without like shaking the bed right. too much because somebody decided to hop on my bed. So somebody being your dog, my dog, yes. Um, and she was already looking at me when I was like making that temper tantrum sound. So I, yeah, that that's me. What what would you do if you know? The tables were turned. Sure. Well, I typically am a big respecter of people's time. So I would give as much latitude or room 
to achieve whatever deadline was in place as necessary. And then if I was a person working against the deadline, I would try to be forthcoming and honest up front and say, listen, I have this fixed deadline that I can't really move. What we want to do, could we reschedule, move some things around? And on top of that, you know, try to demonstrate consideration by also uh, bringing in my, my good friend, Verna, my florist, in to help smooth things over, I put together a nice arrangement. And yeah, and then at a later date, reconvene and go from there. Good answer. Yeah, you know how we do. Out here. But back to the episode. The next scene has our dear friends, Sean and Joan, enjoying a nice pre-Valentine's Day meal. The reason they're having this meal before Valentine's Day is sadly... Sean will not be in L.A. for Valentine's Day because he has to go on a business trip for Valentine's Day to Toronto, or as my dear friends up north say, Toronto, the six, top left. What dear friends? Huh? What? What dear friends? So they're at dinner and... Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I know I hit unmute. <laughs> ah, I just picked, I picked that up from a uh, Jesus and Marrow. They did a, a Vice Land special in Toronto, and so that was a segment they had about slang in the city. Oh, okay, those are your friends. Yeah, I like to think so. Okay, that's cool. They pro- yeah, yeah. Shout out to the Bodega Hive gang, gang. We out here. Okay. Keep going. Yes. And they're having a nice dinner. And somewhat sad about the fact they won't spend Valentine's Day together. In fact, they had already decided that they weren't going to exchange gifts. But Joan, being the lawyer she was, found a loophole in the situation. They only said they weren't going to buy gifts. So she gave Sean a book of poems she already had by the great poet laureate Pablo Neruda. Check out his work if you get a chance. So she gives this book to Sean, and I think she recites one of the poems, if I'm not mistaken. So coming from a place of deep passion and admiration and love that she has for Sean. So of course Sean is taken aback by this. He thought he was scot-free from a gift standpoint. So he's trying to scramble to figure out how he can try to match Jones touching gesture, and his best idea is to use a keychain with a tape measure, which frankly probably is pretty important to him because he is an architect and measuring things is important. But he decides to give her that, so that's his gift to her <laughs> for mm. pre Valentine's Day. Mm. Yeah, could have done could have done worse, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. No, nothing. Nothing would be worse. <laughs> he pretty much they gave her nothing, though. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. As far as the thought, the counts, and all that jazz. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. He did his best, though. He did his best. The next scene takes us to Davis's restaurant, where the core four is going to have a meal. They all walk in. Packed house, but they're regulars. They figure they'll be able to work their connections and get a table pretty quickly. And they're able to run into a hostess they've never seen before. And she lets them know they have to wait to be seated. And they try to pull rank, given their familiarity and friendship with the owner, Davis. And the hostess says, Oh, why didn't you say so? So, in a very funny scene to me, because I'm always here for the petty. She walks them over to an area in front of the bar. They're thinking they're finding their fast track to a table. She's just taking them somewhere to be out of the way while she goes back to seating people as she had planned. So that was pretty funny to me. And during this time, they're conversing about their Valentine's Day plans. Lynn is trying to Avoid or forego the traditional holiday trappings of Valentine's Day 
by volunteering at a suicide hotline. Maya and Darnell are planning on maintaining a ritual where they spend a passionate evening in a motel. Not a hotel, as Joan suggested, but rather a motel, because according to Maya, motels don't charge you extra for getting chocolate and honey in the sheets. So, uh, shout out to them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Tony, <laughs> Tony is going to spend her Valentine's Day with her broke bay. Broke boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bro-boy. And I'll just... All Joan wants for Valentine's Day <laughs> is a phone call from Sean. Because he's That's been so on sad. a business trip for now for at least a full day. Did nothing. So, yeah. What's your no. worst Valentine's Day? My bad. <laughs> <laughs> have you had one? I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even, I hate to say I'm trying to think which one is the worst. Oh, <laughs> Ow. I mean, it's because yeah. I mean, I, not even I really have trouble remembering sometimes the particular events. So you just knew see. it was bad. It, it wasn't good. <laughs> I can probably guess. I have two names in mind. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about for you. Um, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of a bad Valentine's Day that I had. Well, that's good. It, it I mean, sense. unless you count the one where, like, I did the whole, like, prefix thing. Um, oh, well, you didn't like that? I didn't care for that, and I didn't care for the conversation, because it was, it was, like, him being petty and finding out all this, like, gossip about this girl that I'm not friends with, and just telling me about it, because she was, like, sleeping with one of his friends, and she told me that they weren't sleeping together. Oh. Um... But they were. And it was this whole thing. But, like, I don't, you know, it's Valentine's Day. I don't want to spend Valentine's Day talking about that. And the shoes he bought me, granted, I liked them or whatever, but I bought them, like, in black. And I, like, posted, like, I tweeted about, like, oh, yeah, I want this. Or I tweeted something like, oh, I want these shoes. And he bought them because he saw a tweet that I put out there. Intentionally, like I felt like you should just know me, and not just like ooh be waiting around to get me something because you saw a tweet. Now, if you've done that, then you know whatever, because you've done other things too that weren't just oh I'm waiting around for you to drop a nugget. Keep going. Yeah, I think mine would probably be the year I got a bookmark. For Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It sucks so bad. <laughs> yep, yep. I got, a, I got a bookmark. Yeah. For Valentine's Day. You are past those days, babe. Yep, yep, yep. Past those days. Um, Onward and upward. Right, we'll keep going. <laughs> appreciate that. That really sucks. But... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Back to the- All right. E- exactly, exactly. Back to the episode. Turns out the hostess they met earlier was Ava. And Ava is Davis's fiance. You may remember her from previous incidents, such as Joan's fake affair with Davis that almost caused him to call off his engagement. Turns out this was the fiance in question. And in case you're wondering, not to use an ableist term, yes, she is cray-cray. <laughs> okay. It, is she crazy or is she just um, confident about what she has? <laughs> I, I said what I said. <laughs> but she's now introduced to the group as Davis's fiance. And they exchange pleasantries, and Joan apologizes once again as Ava brings up the situation that happened previously. And then Ava does what I thought was one of the first inclinations or insights into trouble in their relationship, that being her and Davis, where she gives Davis basically this coded message saying, there are some people at the front that want to speak to the owner. 
And then she walks away. And he was like, yeah, that's code for get away from these women. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Which, I mean, I, I guess I understand couples having, you know, little, like a secret language of, you know, winking and nod to say something without saying something. I get that. But it just seemed like, it seemed like a lot. Like, their patrons in a restaurant, why would he not, you know, chop it up? And their friends. I understand the beef with Joan to an extent. But yeah. It was a lot of a lot of bad vibes. Not quite great energy. I think she was also trying to maintain some level of like professionalism, though, because his restaurant isn't like a takeout joint where you know it's only seating for like four, six parties, and most True. people are just coming in and going. Like if someone comes in and a and we know that he has influential and like celebrity client or customers that come through. If they want to see the manager and it's like, oh, it was that nigga that was standing up front talking to these girls for the last 15 minutes, you might kind of change your perspective on how you feel about the restaurant or just the business overall, you know. So I respect the Ava on that, but I know she was just being petty. Touche. That is a valid point and a measured assessment. And I commend you for that. But anyway. Okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Our next scene is at the law firm of Swedelson and so and so. And William (laughs) is trying to William William was trying to get the right V Day card for Yvonne. Basically one that says, I really, really like you. And someday that could turn into love, but I want to say that right now. Which I guess makes sense. And I, I did have, speaking of past Valentine's Day experiences, actually the person uh, from the bookmark scenario, our second date ever was Valentine's Day weekend, as luck would have it. So I was like trying to figure out, like, okay, I can't not do anything, but you know, you don't want to like give a quote unquote relationship level gift for a second date. So I was like, all right, I, was, I spent like a healthy amount of time trying to figure out how to play it. But it worked out. Well, I guess it didn't work out given the ultimate end game. But now but, I know who you're talking about, so thanks. Right. Wait, you didn't before? I. It could have been two oh. people. Touche, touche. Yeah, but yeah. yes, now you know. And if you don't know, now you know. But that was something to consider where you don't want to push too strong, but you don't want to completely omit the day as a celebration of relationships in various forms and levels. So Joan has a great idea that why not take one of her many blank cards, because of course she has those, and say what you feel. Write your true words, true thoughts, express those to Yvonne. He says, that's a great idea. He's going to write that in the card, staple a condom inside, and give that to Yvonne. And Joan, being a great friend, right. does remind him, be particularly careful where you put that staple, because otherwise you've just defeated the purpose of having that condom. So shout out to her. Protect yourself. As he leaves, Davis is walking in, and William goes into his hustle mode and lets Davis know he has Valentine's Day cards for the low. He is the plug, as the kids say. He has cards going two for five, three for ten. That's not good math, but hey. And Davis asks, did he happen to have any that had the Tasmanian Devil on them? Now, this was funny because that was the first card Joan rejected earlier in the scene. So childish. But William (laughs) William lied and told Davis, nah, I ain't got that play. So childish. So, or in touch with, it's okay to be in touch with your inner child. Mm. Love, Love should Love should be fun and whimsical and fancy free. Mm-hmm. And All right. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to the Looney Tunes. Next up, Davis, after having that conversation with William, strolls into Jones' office with a to go box or bag, rather. He brings Joan lunch since so he didn't get seated last night because it was a packed house. He brings it over because apparently Ava fired the delivery girl. 
Now, I didn't really say whether or not it was for performance issues, maybe some latent jealousy, combination of the two. Who's to say? But the punchline is he now needs to find a new delivery person. Him and Joan get into this banter back and forth about the wild success of their current relationships. They start trading one of Barb's about where their person works, where they went to school, their hobbies, so on and so forth, until apparently this very odd game of anything you can do, I can do better, ignites passion between them, and they start kissing. So now, effectively, they've relapsed. And Davis utters one of the least useful phrases a man can ever utter in a relationship situation. Uh, Tell me to break it off, and I will. And Joan doesn't tell him to do that, so he leaves. And what does Joan do next? She, of course, goes tells her girlfriends. And that's why we have this show. So she's telling Tony and Maya, and Lynn was there, if I'm not mistaken, about her dilemma. Tony laments the fact that Joan has two good black men striving for her attention. Whereas most women are scrambling and struggling, trying to find one in early 2000s Los Angeles. And in 2017, a world. All right, then. I mean, not me, but like. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Huh, interesting. All right, well. Otherwise, about to be the last episode of Through Thick and Thin. Um, I would have yeah. kept going without you. <laughs> God, God, God's teeth. <laughs> I, I, I would have made a, a competing show. <laughs> like, <laughs> there for anything. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, really? This is what we're doing? Good. All right. Good. Got you. Let me return your gift. It, it's a review show of this show. <laughs> of this show. <laughs> Right. In every episode, you hate it. <laughs> right? Just going down the list. Like trash. First of all. <laughs> right. Oh, oh gosh. Get back to it. <laughs> yeah. So they're, <laughs> they're discussing this issue. And now they're trying to help Joan pick between Sean and Davis. And wouldn't you know it, Tony and Maya completely disagree on who to pick. On one hand, you have Davis. Known Joan a long time. Serious entrepreneur. Very ambitious. Very driven. No real issues outside of, oh, wait, he's engaged. Then on the other hand, you have Sean. Upperly mobile career path as an architect. Similar interests. Great rapport. Uh, Recovering. Sex addict. And apparently has some deeply latent commitment issues. So, who do you pick? Where do you go? What's Joan to do? And I can't recall particularly, but I believe Maya was Team Sean, if I'm not mistaken. And Tony was Team Davis? Or do I have to? I think you have it flipped. So, Maya was pro Davis? Um, That would make sense. No, Maya wouldn't have been. Going against, you know, yeah, because of age, yeah, right, yeah. I feel like it was Maya for Sean, Tony for Davis. Sure, let's run with it. Yeah, in either case, they disagreed, they were going back and forth, trying to debate. Now, there was an election recount joke here. And I can't recall the details at this point now because it's been a while since I saw the episode. But I know they had something about uh, hanging chads. Something very, you know, in the moment dealing with the whole fallout of the 2000 presidential election. So, yeah, I think Tony made the comment. I just don't remember the joke. Yeah. So, oh, like an election, like it's harder than a recount in Florida or whatever. And watch out for hanging chads or hanging Sean or Davis. I don't know. Well, what's a hanging anyway, chad? When they had the voting ballots and they couldn't tell whether people voted for something or not because you, you were supposed to punch a hole in the card and the, the whole punch piece of paper is called a chad mm-hmm. and it's supposed to punch all the way through. 
And if it's hanging, people couldn't technically infer whether or not you meant to vote for that person. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. That evening, Jones at home by herself on Valentine's Day, if I'm not mistaken. And who drops by? But Davis. He is in it to win it. He's coming by to see what's up. He's planning a whole getaway. He got the boat at the marina, ready to roll. Just say the word. He's trying to get his dick wet. Yeah. Uh, okay. Also, uh, there's that. But you can also focus on the aspect of the getaway part. But sure. To each their own. So now, apparently Joan is all about this, ready to roll. Let's leave. As she's gathering her stuff to go, who walks in unannounced with flowers but our man, Sean? Because she doesn't lock the door. Also problematic. I was fully expecting some light skin on light skin violence and did not have that occur, which is fine. It's cool. So Davis makes up some flimsy excuse to leave, telling Joan basically, I'll be there waiting. There being the marina, I guess. And Sean is piecing together what happened, saying, dang, I'm gone for like two, three days, and you already got fools back up in the crib. Like, what's up with that, ma? That's mad trife. You foul out Okay, okay. So it wasn't even all like that. (laughs) You were so ridiculous. What are you talking about? This is what I have in my notes. Oh, okay. I call it the revisionist history. I thought that, I think that's the wave nowadays. In either case, whatever excuse Joan provides, Sean's not buying it. One thing I do have to give him credit for, though, he he was pretty measured in his response to this whole situation. He didn't jump to conclusions. He didn't fly off the handle. He didn't try to square up with Davis right then and there. He was like, yeah, what's going on? What, what did I walk in on? And then he explained very poorly his idea that his surprise for Joan on Valentine's Day was going to be not answering any of her calls, flying back to L.A. and then surprising her on Valentine's Day evening. Now, I feel like not only was it a terrible plan, it was terrible in so many spots. He could have still managed to circle back and fix it, but he didn't. So I'm not blaming the victim here because Davis and Jones spending Valentine's Day night together is uncalled for in either case. But he definitely didn't make it easy on himself by trying to pull that move. What were your thoughts on that with Sean, his brilliant communication or lack thereof plan no i think his plan like really really sucked i agree with you there i think it had only been a few days so she was just too she was too quick to move on like figure out what's going on first but you're still in a relationship it would have been one thing if it were a few weeks he'd been gone what maybe two or three days (laughs) i mean so it was bad on both parts Agreed. Very, very not good. So, they're now having it out. They're having this discussion. They come to the conclusion that they have to figure out a way to trust and communicate effectively with each other, which, yeah, is pretty key for any relationship to grow and develop. And Sean presents his other gift to Joan, besides the ill-planned surprise, he actually designed a second bathroom for Joan, which I guess is cool. And for him being an architect, making her or designing a second bathroom, I feel like that's the equivalent of me like doing your taxes. So I don't know how that counts as like a gift, but but sure, thought that counts, I guess. Plenty of strengths and all that. So shout out to him. He had a Valentine's Day plan. It just was exceptionally poorly developed and executed, but it was a plan nonetheless. And he closed with reading a poem from the book she gave him earlier, which was a nice touch. 
once again, shout out to Pablo Neruda, the homie. Saying effectively that he craves everything about her, which is a pretty good way to express yourself to any woman you care about, if it's in fact true. And he does say that he wants to take the next step. He wants them to seriously commit to their relationship and go to the next level, which is commendable once again. Right, because he could have just been like a token dude, well, you know, and just kind of fly off the handle and be upset that, oh my gosh, you almost did this. But he was kind of like, hmm, I get it. All right, we're both wrong. Yeah, he was very measured in his approach. And that is to be committed. Would you have reacted in the same way? Nope. Well, well, no. First of all, <laughs> I wouldn't put myself in that. I wouldn't put myself in that position. In the first place, where right, and I, I'm pretty sure. Like I've, I've only had maybe one, probably only one job that probably would have had me out of town on Valentine's Day, probably. So, without a lot of like advance mm-hmm. notice. So I would have handled that like one way or another. Like, okay, if I have to leave before Valentine's Day, I just do something in advance. Or if I come back like the day after, just do something after. But at least plan for it, you know? And don't, I mean, I don't go radio silent when I travel on regular business trips. So I wouldn't do it if I traveled on one, you know, the week of Valentine's Day. And you would have had the flowers queued up. So also. Shout out to Verna. Just, I hope my I hope my um my arrangement is still good when I get to work on Monday. Did you water it I on did, Friday? Right before I left. It should be fine. Should okay. Be. All right. Let's see. Let's see. So now all this is well and good, but you may be thinking the same thing we were thinking watching the episode. What does that mean for Davis? And effectively, Davis was stuck. <laughs> Davis was not going on any getaway. He was going back to his engagement to his fiance, as he should, probably. Uh, definitely. Next scene. Not probably. I mean, if he's not happy in the engagement, he's called the engagement. Also, yeah, that's, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Okay. Ugh. Now we have a scene with Tony and Greg where they're hanging out in bed and Tony's been tricking off on Greg, you know, making him feel like a kept man, which it works for them. And since he's not much in the way of earthly means financially, he decides to use his talents and skills as his gift, and he paints the ceiling in Tony's place to mirror the Sistine Chapel, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And a few things confused, confused me about this yeah. scene. First of all, I don't know a lot about painting, even less about painting ceilings, but I'm, I'm to understand that's a pretty long and time consuming mm-hmm. process. So, my first question would be, how is he able to do that in her place without her noticing it either being partially completed or, you know, all the paint supplies. I'm assuming he had put down a big tarp <laughs> to catch any paint dripping from the ceiling. And yeah, I'm just kind of curious the timing on that. I like, didn't slip that by Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it was funny to you, boy. But hey, A for effort. And she, of course, is very impressed and taken aback by that because it is a pretty thoughtful gift. You know, not something everyone else could do. Anybody can go buy a painting, I guess, but to actually sit there and create art, it, pretty dope. It was very sweet. So good. So good on you, Greg. Good on you. The next scene shows us what Lynn was up to on Valentine's Ooh, Day. Hey. And this was at the suicide hotline. So she was. Out here answering phone calls. So when that when that hotline was late, okay. she was picking picking up the phone and trying to talk people through their various situations. And she actually was on the phone with a gentleman by the name of Fred, if I'm not mistaken. 
And I forget the path we took to get there, but the punchline of this phone call was they ended up scheduling a date. She was so effective at getting him to feel good about himself. And he wanted to try to get a well, little more of this he action. said she sounded good, and then they both started getting, like, turned yeah. on. <laughs> and it became, like, right. a call, uh, what... a phone sex line. Low-key. Yep, yep. Hey. It is what it is. Our next scene takes us to Davis's restaurant. Still presumably on... This is actually the day after Valentine's Day, if I'm not mistaken. So, John walks in, Davis is at the bar, chilling, working on some paperwork, if I recall, and he basically tells Joan, yeah, uh, I waited two hours for you. She apologizes and explains that, yeah, it wasn't going to happen. Couldn't do it. It wasn't the right thing for them to do. And who walks in at the perfect time to interrupt but Ava to, of course, somewhat marker territory slash speak to Joan, exchange pleasantries. So Joan's able to leave at that point. And finally, the last member of the core four that we haven't seen celebrate Valentine's Day yet, Maya. She's out working late at Joan's office. Darnell drops by. Maya thinks they're getting ready to go to the motel to get into their ritual. And Darnell tells her, Motel's all booked up, which I was a little surprised they didn't try to book in advance because this is a ritual and also I would assume things for Valentine's Day you want to have booked and reserved in advance to prevent situations like this one. So that was a little surprising. Do you have any thoughts about that as far as the whole motel not being booked in advance? I just assumed this was probably something they did every year where they waited until the last minute. So that's possibly why they just assume like, oh, we don't have to book it in advance. Um, And this year just, you know, having to be a little busier at capacity. Okay. That's reasonable. So now they got to figure out what is we going to do? Because they don't have the motel. And they don't want to go back to the house because they do that every night. So what can they do to make this Valentine's Day special? And I believe it was Darnell who had the idea. Well, we do have this office to ourselves. And I don't know if Maya said she had an office fantasy or he said he had office fantasy. I think he recalled that she had one. Sure, we'll go with that. And she's like, no, because first of all, it's Joan's office. And Joan is very particular about where she puts things. So it's going to be very difficult to put everything back where it was Mm. without her knowing. And right now it's persistent. And she's picking up what he's putting down. And she says, you know what? F it, mask off. (sighs) They're off the desk. And they get to it. So they are getting it in. On Jones' desk. Ain't nothing to it. But to do it. Our next scene has William, once again at home, shout out to Reggie Hayes, chilling in bed, well, on top of the bed. They were, you know, above the covers, clothes on. So, set the scene fairly. They were in bed uh, and exchanging gifts. William got heart underwear. Because that's what he find like. So she gave that to him. He gave her a cop themed charm bracelet. I think there was a even a little donut charm. That was kind of cute. It's very stereotypical. So ex- exceptionally so, but hey. What is what's a good sitcom without the occasional stereotype? Indeed. And I believe what happens next is she says, I love it. And he replies, mm-hmm. I love you too. <laughs> so te- technically speaking, he said, I love you first. So she was like, wait a minute, what? And he was like, what? Let me go and call my mama. So yeah. So, right. So that was cute. Because he's looking like, uh, yeah. after she left, like, uh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
dang, I, I did not see that coming. <laughs> but so now they've crossed that milestone in their relationship, and he was the first one to drop the L bomb. Which is cute. Speaking of Valentine's Day get-togethers, Greg and Tony are at Davis's restaurant, balling out of control, eating a very lavish meal, probably prefixed menu. And Greg decides it's time that he contributes to the relationship and pay for dinner. Until he looks at the bill. At that point, he realizes, I ain't got it. I ain't even got the five. So, Tony's going to pay for this one, and he got her on the next one. So, she's going to pay for dinner on top of all the nice art supplies she bought for him. Which, hey, teach their own. Whatever works for your relationship. In the same restaurant, a couple tables over, you have Hotline Fred and Lynn enjoying a nice Valentine's Day dinner as well. So, Davis Restaurant is jumping, jumping as a unnamed R&B group might say from the past. Davis, of course, is working very hard since the restaurant is packed to capacity, one of the busiest restaurant nights of the year. He's flying around, making things go smoothly behind the bar. He sees Sean and Joan enjoying a nice dinner at his restaurant. Ava comes up behind him, embraces him. Sean and Joan embrace, and it just so happens the embraces allow Joan and Davis to catch eyes at each other while they're embraced with the person that they're in a happy relationship with. So that was a little bit of an intrigue for maybe things aren't quite done yet for Joan and Davis. We shall see. Finally, the episode closes with Joan in her office, looking confused, all the way around, trying to figure out what's wrong, calls Maya in and asks her does she see something wrong and lets her know that she realizes something is wrong with her desk. She can't figure out what's up. So Maya, thinking very quickly on her feet, goes into a tirade and says she is going to give those cleaning folks a talking to. So she's managed to effectively move the blame, potentially from her and Darnell, when they were having their little late night rendezvous on Joan's cherry wood desk, to the cleaning folks who probably had nothing to do with it. But hey, sometimes in order to get the trail off you, you got to put it on somebody else. But that wrapped up the episode and provided insight into how everyone. On this episode, at least all of our favorite characters, spent their Valentine's Day with various levels of success. Some milestones were reached, some thresholds were crossed, and some hearts potentially were broken. Yes. And what's a Valentine's Day without uh, our A pretty good Valentine's Day, right? Do you have any <laughs> I mean, you don't sure. really want to go through <laughs> all that. Any... They did have that moment of like... That, that lingering moment of what if. But I'm glad they shut the door on that. Let it go. You better take what God has given right in front of you. God will not give you a man that is already with somebody else. I'm done. I knew you were about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, any other comments on the episode or any insights? Just, any any uh, scenes stick out to you? I, I, I to me, this whole episode was just kind of like resolving the whole Davis and Joan ship. Um, that people might have been yeah. kind of fantasizing about because at that point, William hadn't quite placed himself in the area to be that guy that people would be like oh when are they going to get together Davis was that guy and like because he's flirty and you know what I noticed this is something that not I don't know if everybody does this but I've noticed it within the people that I know so I'll just 
word it that way, not to discriminate or whatever, but I feel like people over a certain age kind of assume this whole like, and no, well, I guess people still kind of do it now, but you're in this place, I'm in this place, let's be in this place together type of thing where like television shows do it all the time and it used to piss me off. They don't do it as much anymore, but it's like this guy's single and that guy's single or this guy's single, that girl's single. Or like we have, ooh. We, yeah. we ain't getting no younger. Yeah, so it's we, like we let's put no them young. together, especially My- if it's a show where it's like a predominantly underscore cast and then you have one or two people that are of other so then it's like well let's put the two black people together like Grey's Anatomy has done it so many times where it's like hmm these two people are black and they're over the age of 50 let's make them get together why do they have to be together just because they're both single and they're both in the same like age group um so I I hate that um, I'm glad that this show kind of like, you know, we thought about it. We both realized that we have that tension and that chemistry, but it's just not going to happen. It's, it's for them. It was always bad timing. Like the episode title suggests. I mean, it, it just did not work out. I think a lot of people need to realize that though, for their own personal lives. One thing that is my pet Eve in life is and I notice folks do it a lot folks do it at all ages but and I think with access to social media it kind of helps a little bit more so basically I think you have people that will go through whatever little social media accounts they have and they'll start to notice, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so post anything about a dude. Or I haven't seen so-and-so post anything about a girl recently. Let me like a couple of day pics. Let me favorite a couple of day tweets. Let me laugh real hard. Let me comment on this status. Let me do this a couple of times and do this whole digital finesse and work my way into the DMs to see what's going on. And then, you know, if the other person's receiving it, they'll go about that for a little bit. and then. Hmm. once they break up because for the most part relationships that are sought out like that never really have too much of a success rate in my opinion um once that fails they do it again i have like i know of several people that either talked to someone or dated someone because they actually i've done that i mean like (laughs) years like many years ago but it's like you get to a point where oh, okay so-and-so single let me hit this up finestas for a little bit and then see where it goes from there i hate that so i feel like <sighs> this episode oh my gosh shut up <laughs> he's gonna keep parking anyway um i, I just feel like and I, maybe I'm a- answering two questions, but I feel like that's just what a lot of people do nowadays. It's just, you know, let's, if the, this were an updated episode, it would have that element of like Davis going on Facebook years later or something and trying to see what Joan is about. I don't know. Maybe that's for a later episode in the series. That that was my That was my two cents. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Are you are you Yeah. That was oh. the ep- run of the episode. Okay. So. Well go ahead. All right. I wanna switch <laughs> this up a little bit. So All right. part of this. So, okay. If this were insecure, how would the insecure episode go? I think if this were insecure, they may not have it be as mo- most as relationship driven as this episode was, where everybody had quote unquote somebody. They may 
tap more into the idea of finding somebody, if that makes sense. So they may have like a speed dating storyline or people, you know, playing a social, uh, the dating app game, like trying to do like three Tinder dates in one day or something like that. And, or just try to have like a, a secret admirer situation, like classic throwback they use in other shows where you think it's one person, but it's actually somebody mm-hmm. else. They, they try to do something along those lines, a mix of new school and classic. I can see that. I can see that. I think that angle would be kind of interesting too, not focusing on kind of what everyone's doing, but the whole search of looking for somebody. Um, Because I think that part actually might resonate more so. Uh. Yeah. Out of all the people on this episode, who did you relate to the most? Ooh, that's good. Out of all the people on this episode, who did I relate to the most? Hmm. That is a great question. I'll tell you who I related to. Yeah, you start, then I'll hopefully have an answer. So... On this episode, I think I probably, oddly enough, might have been Sean. And I say that in the sense of thinking you're doing something great or you know something that like your significant other would respect and would appreciate and um not quite getting the response you kind of hoped for I've been there before um now not to say like I feel that way at all now I don't but I can relate to kind of his initial thought of, you know, like I'm doing this really nice thing. Um, and you know, but at the same time, um, just kind of getting that half like step of that. Thank you. If that makes sense. And also, I mean, he, his, um, he, he was, he, his gift was thoughtful. I think whenever I try to give a gift, I try to like, I'll ask like, okay, what do you want? But I'll also try to pay attention to things you need. So, um, or things that you might've mentioned in passing before, whether it's something you like really, really wanted or just something you kind of like mentioned. So I feel like his gift was along the lines of that, you know, like I noticed that you went in another bathroom in your house. I found a way to do it. His gift didn't cost any money. Usually my gifts cost money, but it's even still a thing where I heard what you said. So this is me doing that for you. True. That's what's up about you. I would say, depending on the time and point in my life, there are a few people I could say. Uh, for example, like with Greg and Tony's dynamic, mm-hmm. I've kind of been on both sides of that coin. Whereas I've been a person in a relationship to do a lot of the heavy lifting financially, like younger days, like when I'm like fresh out of college and the person I'm with is either wrapping up school or in between graduation and their first job. So that's one situation where I'm obviously a little more financially predictable as far as having a steady income or conversely where I may have had a lower paying job and the person that I was dating having to have a, you know, job wise, a more financial security. And also just from a family support system standpoint, as luck would have it, a very greater amount of uh, financial flexibility. So that quite a little creativity on my part at times, try to figure out how to, you know, demonstrate, 
consideration and caring in a relationship without as much, you know, just straight up just throwing money at it, have to be a little more thoughtful, creative, or uh, forward thinking, I guess, sometimes. So uh, that's probably one area I kind of identify with, or two areas, I guess, looking at either of them. And then uh, also William, as far as Valentine's Day kind of being a, a state of the union, for lack of a better term, of a relationship in some people's minds where, all right, are we far enough in the, in the relationship where saying I love you or hearing I love you is reasonable or to be expected? And then if not, how do I demonstrate I do care, but that I'm still on the way to that, if that makes sense? It does. Um, uh, like, I kind of cringed when he said it because I knew he didn't feel it. Um, no. You don't think he felt it? I think he was getting there, but I don't think really? he had quite felt it yet. Um, which sucked because it's like... I... I I don't know, like, what what point in the relationship do you realize, okay, I don't love you yet. Like, okay, what what point in the relationship do you, re- do you realize you love someone and then you say it? And if you're on the other side and you haven't felt that yet or you're waiting for the other side, like, that timing, you know, what if one side says it and then the other side doesn't or the other side's still waiting like, what's that wait period? Wait, like, you know, how long do you give someone to say that um, they love you too? So that I, I felt like it's just slipped out. Um, there was an episode of Jane the Virgin. The last episode of Jane the Virgin actually kind of dealt with that, where Jane was saying it in her head, but she didn't say it to him yet. And then when she was going to actually say it to him, they broke up. Which, but they didn't break up because of that. They broke up because he got a job like on the other side of the country. Um, and well, that's how the episode ended. Who knows how it really kind of went? I think that's how it went though, based on the preview for the next episode. But, um, yeah, that's just you know kind of weird. But I, I like your answers, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um. All right, let's wrap up the show. I can't. I don't. I don't have anything else, and I need to call my mom <laughs> and Janice because they both just caught me in the like last five right. minutes <laughs> cool. for who knows what reason. Well, yes. All right. Let's get you to that then. Thanks for listening again uh, to Through Thick and Thin, uh, your Ultimate Girlfriends podcast. I'm starting to flash. I'm starting to have flashes. Um, Please. (laughs) Huh? Yeah, we did. Finally. We've been trying to record this episode for like, we've recorded this episode twice now. This is the third time. So this is a first successful time (laughs) i think we figured out how to make it work i'm praying that when i play this back (laughs) we don't have no issues because you know what we might just have a lost episode (laughs) we just move forward because oh my gosh um but yeah please like love comment share fave all that stuff um yeah Yes, yes, yes. We only have six reviews so far on iTunes. Give us more. Give us, give us more. Give us more. Give us, give us more. And uh, one day we'll be on SoundCloud. Yeah. In in honor of the holidays, uh, Christmas, uh, Kwanzaa, uh, you know, Cooperative Economics, uh, Hanukkah, Emoja, Kuji Chakalia. You just missed a whole other holiday. There are black Jews. I, I, was, but you also mentioned I was going through Christmas. the principles of Kwanzaa, but you decided to just uh, you 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 decided to appropriate my Halloween announcement by inserting your Halloween announcement. You said Halloween holiday announcement. 
Okay, whatever. We'll see. Uh, I think I said holiday, but either way. And if you did, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. Follow me at Fort Seashes. <laughs> and you can follow me at Ed B as in Brewerful. <sighs> winning. Gosh, Ed B winning. On Twitter. On Instagram at E D C O F F Ed Cough. Okay, yeah, and follow us at Through Thick and Thin, or no, Thick and Thin Pod. Thick, you'll see it in the liner notes. I'm not explaining it. Just follow us down. Um, you know, read it or whatever. And uh, yep, yep, yep. That's it. You done? All right, peace. Thanks. I'm done. Later, y'all.